You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I pray at this time that ultimately not my words, uh, but your living word, Jesus, would go forth. Uh, I pray in your name. Amen. A number of questions are placed before us this morning in the lesson from Exodus along with the reading from John's Gospel as well. What uh, are you feeding on? What uh, does, what are you working for? What does it look like um, to feed on Jesus? Uh, What are you feeding on? What are you working for? What does it look like um, to feed um, on Jesus? Uh, If any of you have been following um, the Olympics, uh, and I assume uh, most of you have, it's something that I've certainly been engaged with, and as if um, we haven't been divided enough with uh, politics uh, and the appropriate response um, to COVID, social justice issues, um, we now have Simone Biles um, thrown into that uh, as well. And if you've been following, um, I see some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So I just wanted to stir it up um, this morning. Uh, and so I'll have those of you who are for on this side, those of you uh, against, we'll move over to the other. If One of the things, she was one of the ones that we, of course, had tremendous hopes and expectations placed upon. And Lord have mercy, it's hard to imagine what it would be like to be her or one of these other athletes that have basically um, all these um, outrageous expectations uh, placed upon them. And of course, uh, we do it to ourselves as well. No doubt there's a certain amount of complicity in all of this with all of us. But if you remember what happened recently, uh, mid, uh, right in the middle of the competition, In the middle of the team competition, she withdrew. Uh, In the middle of the team competition, and if you were like me, I was there um, watching it um, on my sofa and making judgments um, from the comfort uh, of my sofa, because I had a lot of information um, to make uh, that response and that discernment and to make that judgment. But she uh, withdrew uh, in the middle of the team competition. She put on her sweatsuit and she went over um, to the sideline to cheer her teammates on. And as I say, you've, you've probably heard a few responses. Uh, of course, to some, uh, it's heroic. Um, what, what she did um, is, is heroic uh, to, um, to, to care for herself, to, to uh, actually step aside, to have the bravery, the courage to step aside to care um, for herself in the midst uh, of this moment, to not put herself uh, and further um, danger to, to stand up to corporations and to federations and all the various people that want to um, control um, and direct you. And of course, uh, on the other side, you have those who say, you know, she let down her team. Uh, how in the world, you know, you're having a bad day, you, you push through it. Um, you know, there, there it is. It's, it's what you do. Um, you dig deep, you, you push through, you do the best um, that you can. Uh, some have referred to her um, as a, a disgrace, uh, and um, God love her. Um, in the midst of all of this, she is the worst person ever. Um, she is the most heroic person um, ever, uh, and of course, um, somewhere in between that is probably the truth um, for her as for the rest of us. But one of the things she shared as, as time went on is that she was experiencing, and of course, this is a new a vocabulary word for us, the twisties. Um, and uh, uh, surprisingly, I was not familiar with twisties um, before now, but what that is is basically, uh, it's, it's like a vertigo. Uh, it's, it's losing your equilibrium 
I mean, the highest I get is a few inches off the ground, uh, but losing your equilibrium as you're flipping, as you're twisting and not knowing what's up, um, what's down, where you're going to land, you can, you can imagine the, the, the danger uh, involved in that, the, the profound risk uh, of hurting and harming oneself in a way which is, which is irreparable. Uh, and I share all of that with you this morning as a way to bring our congregation together um, uh, and Simone Biles, but just thinking about the responses um, to it. And it brings us to our lessons today because we see discontent, uh, we see division, we see people grumbling um, in response to this. And we begin from Exodus this morning and, and we hear a word which so often and readily describes the Israelites and so often and readily describes you and me as well. They are grumbling. Uh, we see the bread that they are feeding on. The bread that they are feeding on is the bread of comparison. The bread that they are feeding on is the bread of distrust. Uh, the bread that they are feeding on is the bread of discontent. Uh, they, they, they hated Egypt, understandably, and now that they're out, they, they're, they're saying, you know what, we wish we were back. Uh, we wish we were back there. The food um, was infinitely um, better there, and they began to grumble. And again, that's something that uh, we can all um, relate to. And as they bring accusation against Moses and Aaron, of course, we know who they're really accusing. The one that they're really accusing is God. Do you really care about us? Uh, you, did you bring us out here um, to kill us? Um, we, are, uh, we are starving um, out here. That is the bread that they're feeding on. It's uh, grumbling, it's discontent, it's comparison, it's distrust, it's accusation. God, you must have brought us out here um, to kill us. And in fairness um, to the people of Israel, uh, cannot you and I identify with that as well? <laughs> do you ever um, accuse God of putting enough on you to kill you? God, do you really love me? Do you really care for me? Are you trying to take me out? Um, uh, this uh, and this and this which you've placed upon me, which is clearly um, too much for me. Uh, it is something that we can identify with, uh, sort of simultaneously calling upon God to, doing, to do something and accusing God for not doing it right. And one of the things that we see in the lesson from Exodus and throughout the entirety of Scripture, and it's a word that is a word of truth, it's a word of encouragement, but it's a word of challenge as well, is that God... Um, uh, even though, yes, God sometimes undeniably works uh, immediately, specifically, and profoundly in a way which is encouraging, um, often in our lives what God is doing is he's shaping us. Uh, he's fashioning us. And that's something which takes time. The way that God shapes us, um, the way that he fashions us, he's preparing us for more than the moment. He's preparing us for eternity. The way that God shapes and fashions us uh, addresses the moment, but ad addresses more than the moment as well, as God works graciously with a perspective that is beyond you um, and beyond me. And we turn um, to John's gospel, and of course we see the people are, are coming to Jesus, and Jesus immediately knows why they're seeking him. It's great that they're seeking him, but they're seeking him to be a quick fix. You gave us bread before, and it was great bread, um, and we were full, and we want you, um, we want you to do it again, uh, is what they say to Jesus. We want you um, to do it again. And of course, Jesus sees through this uh, as he always does, and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then these are the words of truth, but they're the words of challenge also, aren't they? Do not work 
for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, and then that which the Son of Man um, will give to you. As the lesson from Exodus is likely so incredibly relatable um, to us, is this one not also? I I often find myself working um, for the food which doesn't endure. Uh, I readily find um, my priorities um, out of order, seeking security in things which will perish. And one of the things uh, to know, Jesus isn't saying that that we don't work and that we can't work, uh, but he's saying, what are you seeking um, to fill your life? What are you seeking to be the foundation? What um, are you pursuing and hungering for and feeding upon? Because that's what's going to shape you. That's what's going to shape you in relationship with me. That's what's going to shape you in relationship with one another. That's what's going to fill you, uh, or that is what is going to empty you. And of course, they, uh, they go on. Jesus um, goes on, and they, of course, they, they say, well, um, isn't it funny? Um, they, they, they turn the focus to themselves. Uh, we never do that, um, but they did. Uh, and basically what they say in the original language is, what work must we work to work the works of God? Uh, what work um, must we work? What, what must we do? God, we're grateful and we recognize um, your provision and we also recognize its limitations. Uh, and where do you need me to come in? Um, you've gotten me this far and that's fantastic, but now clearly there's something that I need to do. There's a way um, that I need to step in. There is a measure of control that I need to have um, in all of this to help get me um, to the finish line. So just tell me um, what it is um, that you need me to do um, and and I'll do it because we've been real successful in that, haven't we? Um, And yet that's what they say, what what must we do? Uh, We believe in you, we trust you, um, but surely there's something that we need to bring to this equation. And of course, Jesus wonderfully pierces that for them, and he pierces that for you and for me as well. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What is your your work? This is good news that you're not going to like, is what Jesus says. Uh, What is your work? To believe in him whom God has sent, uh, to believe in me. Uh, to feed uh, on me, to find me sufficient, to begin to lean upon me and allow me to be the one who shapes uh, and fashions your life. And it brings up the necessary question for us, if, if that's true, uh, if that's true that the work that we need to do is to believe in Jesus, uh, to have, by whatever language we use, to have faith, uh, to have dependence, and, and more than recognition, uh, but to lean upon him, to uh, seek him to be the one who brings that, that change and that transition, who shapes and fashions our life. What, is that, what does that look like? How do we begin um, to do that? And uh, I came across something recently, a, a, a powerful story, and, and granted, it's, um, it's a little more dramatic uh, than, than usual, but it had such a profound impact as I read it. And it was in uh, something which happened to a woman um, named Debbie Bagri, um, is her name, uh, and a young boy at that time, um, now who has grown um, into a man, um, Ian. 
She was a 28-year-old mother uh, of two, a stay-at-home mother, and she was out uh, to dinner uh, on the evening with her friends for a, a girls' night out. They were excited. They were having a great time. And as they were preparing to leave, someone that, that knew her uh, from the gym mentioned to her, said, hey, you know, this isn't a good neighborhood. Uh, do you want me to walk with you and, uh, and with your friends out to your car? And of course, she's like, oh, you know, I, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. We're, we're good, but thank you. No, no need. Uh, and not... Uh, almost immediately after they had left um, the restaurant and they are on the street, uh, a group uh, of young men uh, approach them. The youngest uh, in the group is 13 and he points a gun in her face and says, I'm serious, uh, give it over, referring to her purse. And before she has opportunity to respond, he shoots her in the face. Uh, she is shot um, in the face and um, thankfully, and it, it, it's hard to think of using the word thankfully when referring to being shot, uh, but thankfully uh, the bullet, rather than going into her brain, went into her mouth and out uh, of her jaw, and you can imagine um, exploding her jaw, but she turned and sort of stumbled um, back into the restaurant, and as she did so, of course, she not only did she cry for help, but she asked the people there, is my face gone? Uh, and Wonderfully, thankfully, amazingly, she uh, lived, but of course experienced a certain disfigurement uh, as a result of that, and, and also multiple surgeries, um, ongoing pain, and, and all the challenges that come with something like that uh, when your life is dramatically changed um, in an instant. And a couple of days later, actually, um, the police arrested a group uh, of young boys in a stolen car, and as one of them, uh, Ian, uh, the 13-year-old, was waiting for his mother um, to pick him up from the police department, he told one of the policemen, you know that woman that was shot in the face the other day? I did it. And sadly, the judge decided to make an example of Ian, and at 13, he was um, sentenced to life in prison without parole. Uh, and not just juvenile, but, but adult prison. At 13 years old, sentenced to life in prison without parole to be made um, an example of. And, and as you might imagine, his experience uh, was horrific. Bullied by the guards, bullied um, by the inmates, uh, attempting to sort of lash out and, and, and find his way uh, in that environment, uh, attempting suicide on multiple occasions, spending uh, years uh, in solitary um, confinement uh, as a result um, of his behavior. And it was sort of easy enough to classify. You had the victim in this uh, situation and the cold-blooded um, individual who attempted to kill um, this person. And two years later, uh, after he was in prison, two years later, on Christmas Eve, actually, um, he made uh, they were allowed one phone call a month. In the 26 years that he was in prison, he had three visits, uh, three visits from the outside world in 26 years. And uh, December, his one call, he made a collect call um, on Christmas Eve to Debbie Bagri was the one that he made a collect call to. He asked the operator to connect him to Debbie Bagri um, in Tampa. And the phone rings and she answered it. Uh, and as she answered the phone, uh, the operator, will you accept uh, a collect call uh, from Ian? And with morbid curiosity, she received the call, uh, and he said to her, Miss Bakery, I called to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and to apologize. 
you know, for shooting you in the face. And this was, of course, a a moment um, for her, and her response was, Ian, why did you shoot me? And he said, I didn't know what I was uh, doing. It was a mistake. It just happened so quickly. I'm sorry. And he asked her uh, if he would, she would allow him uh, to write to her. Uh, And they began to correspond by um, by letters, uh, but her response was phenomenal. She, she said, I felt guilty. She said, I, I felt I had taken his life away. He didn't kill me, um, but, I, uh, but I killed him. And she remarked uh, that he was just a boy, 13, uh, 13 years old. She said, I felt guilty. I felt I had taken his life away. He didn't kill me, but I killed him. And this friendship and correspondence began to grow over the years, but not surprisingly, at, at, at times, um, uh, she felt uh, bitter. She felt resentful as the pain would increase, as new surgeries would be faced. There would be moments when she would sort of question her desire to forgive or to be in um, relationship with him. Her husband and her family were furious with her. You need to have no contact with him. You have Stockholm Syndrome. He's manipulating you. You need to cut off all um, communication with him. Um, But despite all of this, uh, this friendship continued to the point that she wrote to the parole board requesting leniency, uh, requesting um, his early release. And and she wrote wrote this uh, uh, fascinatingly. She said, He gave her a sense of mission in her life. And I would contend that's what it it is to feed on the bread of Jesus rather than the bread of resentment. To feed on the bread of Jesus rather than the bread of self-righteousness. To feed on the bread of Jesus recognizing our common humanity and the need which we all have uh, and leaning on him, believing in him and believing on his name She credited him with giving her a sense of mission. She said, he woke me up. My life became so much more enriched by forgiving him. Rather than a life that was less full, it was a life uh, which was more full. She wrote to the court. She asked for the reduce to his sentence. She said, no one knows more than I do how reckless and destructive Ian's crime was. But what we are currently doing to him is mean and irresponsible. When this crime was committed, he was a child, a 13-year-old boy with a lot of problems, no supervision, uh, and no help uh, available. To fast forward the story, a couple of amazing uh, interventions uh, in his life. One uh, from an attorney involved with the Equal Justice Initiative uh, and in overturning of his case, a retrying of his case, and then his actually, after 26 years, being released, uh, uh, being released from prison uh, and on parole. (laughs) And who do you think was there waiting to greet him when he exited the prison? It was Debbie Bagri, um, was the one who was there. It was Debbie Bagri um, who greeted him with a hug. It was Debbie who took him um, to dinner. Uh, It was Debbie who fed uh, on uh, that bread of Jesus. What does it look like? It frees us. What does it look like? It allows us to simultaneously be vulnerable and operate from a place of strength and security simultaneously. Uh, And we see um, the power um, of that, uh, the power of it, and the recognition on her part that, yes, he needed it, but she needed it as well. 
that mercy and that forgiveness, that restoration, uh, isn't for some people, it's something which is deeply, desperately needed um, by all of us. And by feeding upon that, uh, rather uh, than grumbling, rather than discontent, rather than resentment uh, and distrust, she found a mission. She found um, freedom. Uh, She found uh, life. We see placed before us this day a God who seeks us, who has no reason by our behavior um, to seek us. (laughs) It's unmerited, um, absolutely. And yet his nature and his character is such that he seeks us, that we might be people who feed on him, and that he might shape and fashion us not only in this moment, but that it might ultimately be one who shapes and fashions us for eternity, for life um, with him always. And I pray as we hear that this day, that we will look to him and realize that as we look to him, he's the one who's already sought us. And the change and the hope and the transition in our life is not brought about by our power, but by his power made perfect uh, in our weakness, by his seeking us, by his cross, by his uh, resurrection. He gives us the bread of life, which is himself. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will draw uh, our reluctant hearts, uh, our doubting minds, um, to the truth of Jesus, your son, that we might feed on him and find in you life now and life everlasting, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.